Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Philosophy Podcast in-season edition with Andy Towers, head coach of the PLL Chaos. What's up, AT? How are you doing today? I'm still above average for a blowhard. <laughs> <laughs> Good. What'd you, what, 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 how, how was your weekend? What'd you do? Anything fun? Uh, it was great, actually. Um, Friday, just a torrential rainstorm. Uh, and our practice, our game got canceled. Our St. Luke's game got canceled. And so we rescheduled that for a week from this coming Thursday. And so I was, I was so pumped because then I got to stay in and watch all the games on Friday night, which was great. Got to watch RD win. And um, so that was awesome. Uh, and then Saturday we had a great game for the sixth grade team that I coach against Fairfield, which has sort of become a rival for my son's grade. You know, they got great coaches, um, Seamus Grooms, um, John Matthews, uh, this guy, Mark Sorelli, who played football at Fordham, who son, plays football and, and lacrosse is a really good athlete. And, and Timmy Shanahan, who was a good friend of mine in high school, played a prep from Wilton, went to UVM. They got a lot of really, really good sixth graders that all seemingly play football and all play lacrosse. And so we've been going back and forth with them in both the fall and football and in lacrosse the last few years. And, um, they were ahead 3-2 in the first half, and, and we had an uptick in intensity and had some great face-off success um, and, uh, and got great goaltending play and, and got spread out scoring and were able to come back and, and beat them and win the game. So uh, it's the first game that we've played at a really high level for a long period of time, but we still only played one half of lacrosse. So, um, you know, what's great about the sixth grade boys lacrosse in this area is that every single town seems to have, you know, three coaches that played super high level division one lacrosse, whether it's Westport with John Marcus from Hopkins or Ridgefield with Jay Penn, um, you know, who played at Hopkins as well. Um, you know, Darian, of course, Greenwich, um, you know, new Fairfield with Jack Emmer's son-in-laws coaching that team up there. Um, you know, there's just a lot of really, really knowledgeable, super knowledgeable coaches and super talented kids in this area. So all the games are, you know, one and two goal games and anybody can beat anybody. And so we were fortunate to get a good win against a really good team this weekend. So that, that was the highlight. Sweet. That, awesome. that and Tyler Towers celebrating her birthday. She's going to be 16 on Wednesday. Wow, sweet 16. Sweet 16. Put a lot of pressure on her parents. No, I'm just joking. Just 
The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw, like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information. Sounds awesome. All right, well, let's dive into some games. So uh, you said you just got to stay uh, stay in on Friday night and watch a ton of games. Um, let's uh, kick it off with Michigan getting a huge win in the game in the rivalry, a first win ever, right, for Michigan over Ohio State. Is that a fact? Yeah. Uh, I watched that game. Uh, I was going back and forth. There were like, you know, three games going on at the same time, and and I, I turned it, and Michigan, I think, was up four to one. And – you know, what an unbelievable win for Kevin Connery. I'm so happy for him and his staff. You know, this is, we said, you know, in the last few podcasts that we all kind of felt that this was, you know, a turning point year for Michigan and this would be the year where they'd, you know, sort of get more than one win in the, in the big 10 and, and, and maybe compete to, you know, be in the big 10 tournament. And, you know, they proved that he's the right guy and that they have the players to beat a team that, Let's face it, you know, when Ohio State is playing as well as they can play, they're as good as anybody in the country. They could win a national championship. I, I, I frankly think that this loss is going to keep them out of the national tournament. But if you look at, you know, their big wins, having beaten UMass, BU, Notre Dame, uh, you know, if, if BU wins the Patriot League and UMass wins the CAA and Notre Dame wins the ACC – Maybe Ohio State makes the tournament even with this loss to Michigan. But hand it to Michigan. I, I'm, I'm really happy that they get to finish what was a really tough season in a great way. And certainly they're going to be able to ride this success into hopefully a great 2020 next spring. Yeah, huge win for Michigan. Uh, tough loss for Ohio State. Um, I was just checking out the RPI. I don't see it as updated yet for this week. Uh, they were ninth, I think, or something last year, last week. Uh, that they're going to drop. They probably would have dropped a little even with a win over Michigan because Michigan's RPI is lower. But um, it's going to be interesting to sort of see if they're going to. I mean, they're definitely going to be in the mix, but they're probably going to be on the outside. Well, the other side. The other thing is, is that they also have a win over Hopkins, which last week Hopkins was not in the top twenty. And- <laughs> week in looking at the media poll this morning they are and so that really becomes sort of but but BU I think yeah. it's dropped out so they think you got to kind of go by um what the RPI is going to be the is going to be the ranking that you want to probably look at yeah, yeah, yeah 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 there were 14 Hopkins was last week and there were 14 in the RPI sure. um and Ohio State was nine so like and, and Carolina was 20 um Carolina's going to go up Hopkins is going to go up um yeah. Ohio State's is going to go down a little bit, but yeah. uh, but it's pretty interesting because, and I forget what the um, we're going to have to as we get into this, um, we should really think about um, you know what the what the weight is um, on RPI, but sure. it was fifty percent, it was twenty five percent, so we'll have to sort of take a look at that. Um, so another big game on Friday night was the Denver Marquette game. Did you get a chance to watch that one at all? Uh, I watched a small portion of it. Honestly, it came off at nine o'clock here and I was, I was a little tired by halftime, but I was watching Marquette. I was really impressed with them. I haven't, I hadn't seen them play that much this year. Yeah. Uh, and so to watch them play they're they're scary. You know, I, I'm kind of shocked that they haven't won more games this year. You know, uh, they gave Denver all they could handle and, 
you know, frankly, I thought that Marquette was going to win that game throughout the whole game. Yeah. But, you know, handed to Bill Tierney and Brownie, they, they find a way to get it done when they absolutely have to get it done. Um, and they did. But, you know, I, I, I walked away feeling like Marquette is a, is a really scary team after watching this game. But unfortunately, their season is done. You know, just two and three. They're not in the Big East tournament. And they're done. You know, what a tough way to finish losing five of the last six games with their only win being St. John's down the stretch. You know, you kind of felt that after they beat Georgetown 9-8 at the end of March that, you know, which was their third win in a row, you kind of felt like, all right, this is a team that's really getting primed for the Big East play. And then they, you know, have a terrible finish to the year. I mean, yeah. April, April was a disaster for them outside of a win against St. John's. They had Duke on the ropes, too. I mean, they literally, like, you know, I mean, they were so close. They could have just – right. I mean, think about that. They beat Duke. They beat Denver. And now, all of a sudden, they're eight and six. Yeah. They're, and they're, they're, they, they could get in as an at-large with those wins, perhaps. That's right. That's right. They're certainly in the argument. But, unfortunately, two one-goal losses and their season is done. Yep. You know, but not too dissimilar to some other great teams – that I think at times have played at a level, which is a championship caliber level. But it just goes to show you how much parity there is in the sport with this year, perhaps having the greatest amount of parity in the history of college across. True. So Denver, it's Denver, Georgetown, Villanova, Providence out here in Denver this week for the Big East uh, tournament. Um, right. So, yeah, uh, Denver getting it done. I mean, they've only lost one game in the Big East in like five years. They lost their first game this year. It's pretty yeah, it's nuts pretty remarkable in the regular season, I guess. Okay. So um, let's move on to uh, a little Patriot league action. How about Navy's upset over BU? That was huge. Really happy and selfishly really happy to see Grayson Terrain go off for one and three. Yeah. They drafted him in the third round of the PLL draft. I think he's going to be an unbelievable pro. Um, but what a great W for Ricky soul. You know, I exchanged texts with him when I was thinking about drafting Grayson Terrain and um you know, it's just been kind of a tough year. You know, you look at Navy and essentially going into that Princeton game when they played Princeton on that Tuesday night, you know, I was thinking Navy's sort of not getting enough credit with the way that their season, you know, they, they beat a really good Vermont team or a team that we thought was going to, you know, have a better, you know, real good year in Vermont, right? They open up with a five goal win versus them. They take care of business against UMBC. They get beat by five by Maryland, but we all felt that Maryland was probably the best team in the country at that point. They come back, they beat Bucknell, which is, you know, always one of the best coach teams in the country. And then sort of they're three and one going into that Tuesday game versus Princeton. And I thought, you know what, this is, this is going to be a big game for Navy. And, you know, they run into Michael Sowers, who goes off in this game, you know, goes two and seven in that game and was uncoverable. Then they beat Lafayette. And then after that, it just seemed like they just struggled. You know, they got pounded by Loyola, pounded by Lehigh, lose to Holy Cross, who's way better than, you know, you kind of think that they're going to be. They beat Colgate and then they lose a one goal game to army and then Syracuse get blown out. And I thought for sure that BU was going to win this game and, you know, credit Navy, they came back and found a way to beat a ranked BU team coming off of two big wins themselves versus army and Loyola. What a great way to finish the season for Ricky soul, even though a probably bittersweet seeing that they didn't make the Patriot league tournament. Yeah. Patriot league tough Bucknell with a huge 10, eight win. Did you get a chance to watch that one a little bit? I, I watched I watched almost the whole game and just really impressed with 
you know, the job that Frank and Ryan have done as well. I mean, Bucknell record-wise has struggled this year. You know, they they you would they, they were basically they've been playing for their lives for the last three weeks. That's the reality with Bucknell, and their record is not great at six and eight. Um, you know, and 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 they the first you know basically through March it was a disaster. At one point they were two and eight with only wins being over Bryant, who had a terrible year, and Holy Cross, who's had a good year. And that Holy Cross win was critical for them. And then look at the way they finished. They beat Maris Lafayette, a great, well, a talented Lehigh team that's not playing well right now. And then they got to take care of business against Colgate. And they get it done. And then here they are. Now they got to go up to BU to play in the first round of the Patriot League Championship or Patriot League tournament, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on BU in this game with Bucknell coming to town with their confidence sky high. I wouldn't be surprised to see Bucknell win this game. And then a big win for Holy Cross over Lehigh. I mean, the last, you know, playing date of the regular season in the Patriot League, you know, really made a difference in the seedings. No question about it. We, we talked about the success that Holy Cross has had this spring, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And wow, you know, I mean, who is that coach? That guy's just getting it done. Seven and six now, and I think they got five. I don't even know the coach's name. I don't even. You do? No. Yeah, I don't know whose name is, but the guy's just getting it done. Oh. They better hire him to a long-term contract. Peter Burke. Peter Burke. They better hire Peter Burke to a long-term contract because Berkey. Berkey is just crushing it right now. And, <coughs> Really great to see Connor Waldron is, is a kid from our area who's worked some of my camps. He's on the team. He had three goals in that win. Um, you know, just how how great is the fact that they've won five of the last six games, including wins over Brown and Navy. Um, you know, and now Lehigh. And listen, they go they go to Army, and the pressure's on Army. That was a one goal game. They lost to Army seven six in the middle of the march, and Holy Cross is coming in with a ton of momentum. With that said, I think Johnny Serdic is going to be sharpening his blade, getting ready for that game. Um, and uh, so I'm going to pick Army in that game, and I know we'll go through it at the end. But but what a season by Holy Cross. Got to be happy. And then the other side of the coin is what's happened to Lehigh? What the hell happened to Lehigh? Yeah. You know, they, they, after having, you know, losing three of their first four games, went on a, a six-game run where they beat some really good teams, Colgate, Army, Rutgers, Navy, BU. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really good, strong run. Then they, are go, they go to Loyola. I think they're going to beat Loyola. They get beat up at the faceoff X by Bailey Savio. They fall behind. They lose that game. Then they lose a disappointer to RMU, who's playing better, and you know, beat St. Bonaventure, who's new, but then lose to Bucknell, lose to Holy Cross. I, I think Lehigh – I could see Lehigh getting bounced out of the tournament. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, if they lose in the first round of the, of the Patriot League tournament. They're not playing well at a really important time of the year. As yeah. you said, they're not playing well. Yeah, and that's the whole key. And um, the, But the Patriot League, is it's tough, man. I mean, uh, you know, the, the win over uh, over BU by Navy put them up to four and four, and they just must have lost the, lost the tiebreaker to not get into the tournament. And it's just so close. I mean – you know, honestly, they should probably go with eight teams in their in their tournament and just like you know open it up a little bit. Yeah, they could because it's just like it's just better for your league to be alive longer um, for right. sure. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the CAA. 
UMass, I mean, after Towson kind of came out of the gates, you know, beating Loyola, hammering Hopkins, right. uh, just playing great lacrosse. Um, then next thing you know, UMass just sort of silently and diligently uh, get it done, win the conference, the you know, number one seed in the conference. Uh, what are your thoughts on the CAA? Well, UMass seems to do this every year. It seems like they start slowly and, and crescendo. Do you like that? I got that from Little Einsteins. Um, you know, at playoff time. And sure enough, they've done it again. You know, they, you look back at their April 6th game at Hostra and they lose 10-9. That might have been the best thing to happen to them. You know, because preceding that game, they had won six in a row, uh, seven of eight. But they hadn't really played anybody, you know, and, and, and you look at the rankings each week and, you know, you have trouble putting UMass in the top 20, or at least I did, yeah. all the way up until they beat Towson simply because they hadn't beaten a top 20 team. You know, right. they lost to Army, who was a top 20 team. They lost to Ohio State, who was a top 20 team. They beat Harvard, so what? They lose to Yale, even though they had them dead in the water. Um, you know, but then they go on a run. They beat Albany, who's down, NJIT, UMass Lowell, Utah, Brown, Drexel. You know, no, no top 20 wins. And then they lose Hofstra, and you're thinking, oh, God, you know, who, who is UMass? And then, sure enough, when they need to step it up, they get it done. They beat Towson. They beat Fairfield. They beat Delaware, you know, two ranked teams in Towson and Delaware in the last two week, last three weeks. And now they get Drexel in the, in the semis of the CAA, and it really is going to set up what I think is going to be a sure rematch against Towson. That's what I think it's going to be. Um, How about Stony Brook getting it done and coming out of nowhere to win a league that seemed to be, you know, Albany's league with Vermont nipping at the heels, and then out of nowhere, Stony Brook, I mean, literally kind of out of nowhere because they had a few, a few comebacks this year where they, they looked dead in the water and they came back and won some games, including the Vermont game. Um, I think they were down like 10 to 3 or something like that. Yeah, Stony Brook is like – you know, I thought they were so rock bottom. They were losing to Penn State the first game of the year, 15 to zip at the end of the third quarter. And I was thinking, oh, my God, what, is, what a disaster. You know, they were staring up at rock bottom. Staring up at rock bottom. Like, if things went perfectly, they could get to rock bottom. Yeah. And, you know, then they come back and they respond. They beat Brown and Hofstra. And Hofstra at that point had beaten Lehigh. So we felt, all right, Stony Brook may have a little life. And then they lose two games at home to Marist by five and Sacred Heart, who's way better than people think they are. But still, you know, they lose that. They beat Bryant, who's at rock bottom. And then they lose to Hartford on the road. So they open the season three and three with losses to Marist, Sacred Heart, and Hartford. And then to see them go on a run where they win six of the next seven with their only loss being Princeton. And sure enough, they lock up the number one seed for the AMES conference, you know, well-deserved. They ended up beating Vermont 10-9. I think that Vermont finds a way to get it done in tournament time. I predict Vermont comes out of the AM East, gets the AQ. All right, let's, uh, let's turn our attention to Saturday. Um, and we'll start in reverse chronological order with the Maryland-Hopkins game. What a huge W by Hopkins. And kind of, I don't know, I, I don't want to say totally unlikely because I know that Hopkins is well-coached and they've got players, but Man, to put up 16 goals on Maryland is pretty impressive. I, I think totally unlikely. I didn't think they had a prayer of winning this game. I didn't think they had a prayer of staying within five goals, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought Maryland would beat them up at the X. I thought 
uh, Hopkins would have a really tough time breaking down Maryland and scoring goals. And I thought Maryland, frankly, was going to be able to score goals at ease. And while Bubba Fairman went off and it went five and oh, um, you know, the rest of the team didn't really do very much. Logan Winoskis, I guess, had a good game that one and three, but, but still he's averaging more points than that, I believe. So that wasn't an unbelievable game even for him. Everybody else really didn't play very well. You know, Joey Epstein, to me, I, I think he might be a top nine attackman in the country as a freshman, you know, really just stepped up at a time when they've needed to. And he's been great all year long. He's been yes. clearly their off, best offensive player, yes. no question. And he's an All-American for sure. But, you know, he may have locked up a third-team All-American spot with this kind of performance. And, you know, I heard Petro's uh, interview, post-game interview on uh, the Inside of the Cross podcast this morning it just so impressed with, you know, how he's handled what I'm sure is, is, has been frustrating for him, um, you know, this year, but to keep his team, like you said, focused, and he's just shows such humility and, and, um, you know, given the level of player that he is and the success that he's had there winning two national championships and, you know, his resume stands alone. It really does in our sport. Um, you know, but for him to keep his team focused after, let's face it, a horrendous performance against Penn State and yeah. come back and beat Maryland in a rivalry game at Maryland under the lights against 12,000 fans, you know, outcoached that team. Um, yes. What a shot in the arm for that program. And here they are now, you know, that essentially was a playoff game for them. And, you know, here's another playoff game for Hopkins against Maryland. And if they win this game, they're probably going to get an at-large berth, Jamie. Um, you know, that, that, listen, they, 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 they got to go out and they got to control their destiny to some degree. So any team that seven and six that get to control their destiny, uh, you know, they got to be happy with that. Um, so what a great win for them. I'm happy for Billy Dwan. I'm happy for Bobby Benson, certainly happy for Petro, uh, and happy for the Hopkins players. I think there's no question that they're here in the rumblings of the lacrosse world and for them to come back and get this kind of win on that kind of stage, you know, uh, speaks volumes about the, how dangerous they are and how dangerous they can be. I'm really impressed with their face-off group, those two guys. They've been resilient because they've had some tough losses against Towson and Loyola and they bounced back to be able to knock off Carolina. They've kind of, you know, I wouldn't say they've had some incredible season, but they bounced back. And that's amazing to be able to do that, especially if they can do it now at tournament time. So let's turn the page to uh, the ACC, the second game in the ACC uh, semifinals with Notre Dame with a huge, probably a must win over Duke and a huge win over Duke. Do you think this solidifies them in the NCAA tournament as an at-large? Uh, I do. I, I really do. You know, you look at, uh, you know, Notre Dame's season, they've got a win over Maryland. They got a win over Denver. They got a win over Syracuse and they got a win over Duke. Right. I mean, they got four really good wins. Well, three uh, great ones anyway. Well, three great ones. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really know who Denver is yet. Yep. Denver wins the big East tournament, which I think they will. Well, then that, that will, that will, I think that win you know, starts to carry more weight, but like you said, they do it. They have three great wins. And for all intents and purposes, the outlier is their loss to Richmond. Other than that, you know, their losses are Cornell, Duke, Ohio State, Virginia. I think Notre Dame is firmly in. Um, but I don't think they're going to win uh, the ACC championship. I think Virginia is going to beat them. I do. I think they're playing at home. I think the fact that Notre Dame, uh, you know, beat them 
last year in the ACC tournament embarrassed them really. I think it was like 17 to eight or something like that. I think it sets up well for Virginia. The question I have for Virginia, and I'm sure we'll cover it, you know, is who are they in the goal? You know, I, I really questioned that decision by Lars. They won the game. We'll talk about it in a minute, I'm sure. But uh, to answer your question, I think that Notre Dame is absolutely in the NCAA tournament, even if they lose this weekend. Penn State with a, with a squeaks out a win over Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers showing that they can play with anybody. Uh, but, and they're, in the, they're firmly in the Big Ten tournament, but they're going to need to win it to go. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Penn State-Rutgers matchup? I, I think Penn State's the best team. I do. I think their offense is, um, you know, better than any of the offenses that we've seen the last few years in college lacrosse. Um, but I'm not surprised by this performance by Rutgers. Um, and, and I'm not surprised that they lost by a goal. It seems like that's kind of what they do. Yeah. You know, they, they, along with Ohio State, along with Carolina, um, you know, but are, are teams that are good enough to go on a run and, and, and win the whole thing. They, they are. You know, but unfortunately, they're 7-7. Seven and seven. And, you know, they, they just can't quite get over the hump that in, in the way that they need to to win. And now, sure enough, here they go, and they got to go play Penn State again. And I think Penn State's going to beat them. And I think they're going to beat them handily this time. This was their chance. This was Rutgers' chance. And they needed to win the game. And, you know, good teams find a way to close teams out where maybe they don't play their best, and Penn State was able to do that. But I'm not surprised by Rutgers playing them really, really tight. They got, you know, one of the very best goaltenders in the country. They got a staff that's gotten this team to play – you know, really, really well the last few years. And I think, unfortunately, this is going to be another frustrating tournament list appearance for the Rutgers program. How about first semifinal from the um, ACC? Virginia with a four-goal comeback in the fourth quarter to knock off Carolina, total heartbreaker for the Heels. Um, uh, thoughts on that game? Yeah, you know, I, I'm – I'm, I wanted North Carolina to win, and Lars, you know, is a friend of mine for sure, a, a former teammate, and, um, you know, Joe Bresci is a really good friend and, and, you know, somebody that coached me at Brown, and, um, you know, I, I, I feel terribly for UNC because like Rutgers and like Ohio State, I think they've shown that they can play at times at a level that is a championship level as well, yet they're just another team that, you know, can play that way that's probably going to be on the outside looking in when the tournament seedings come out on Sunday. And they played well enough to win the game. Uh, I did feel like they were holding on a little bit for dear life in the beginning of the game. And when Virginia went up 6-3, I thought, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough for North Carolina. But, you know, credit their coaches. They make a couple of changes on the defensive end. Um, you know, and they get some spread out scoring. Uh, the move that really shocked me in this was the fact that Lars came out in the second half and went with Patrick Birkinshaw. You know, I didn't think Alex Rode was playing terribly. You know, he wasn't playing unbelievably well either. But I just feel that at this point in the season, for a goalie that, you know, was playing average, right? 
you're going to make a change at halftime of this game. I, I just, I, I, I was confused by that. And I'm, I'm not sure that this move, even though they were able to win the game, is something that's going to help that locker room to some degree. I don't go to their practices and I don't know, you know, the reasoning behind it, other than the fact that Lars said, hey, Patrick Perkinshaw has earned this opportunity, um, you know. But I just – I was confused by that decision, and it didn't look like it was going to work out. And, and honestly, I don't think it – I don't think it was the difference in the game. I, I think if Alex Roden stayed in the game, he would have got the same performance that Patrick, Patrick Perkinshaw gave them in the second half, yeah. right? To reach at 40 45%. You know, that wasn't – that wasn't the determining factor in the game. I think that in the end, I think Virginia made one more play than North Carolina made. And, um, you know, credit Virginia. They, they came back from a four-goal deficit. They were down 10-6. And, you know, that's kind of – this team has shown a ton of heart. you got to hand it to Lars and their staff and, and, and the kids on the team. You know, this is a team that's found themselves behind in the second half of some – of some really, really big games this year, and they found a way to come back and, and beat them all. You know, the only, the only aberration is certainly that game versus Duke. But other than that, you're looking at a team that's, <laughs> you know, won, what, 11 out of the last 12 games and their lone loss being Duke. So um, – And how I, many second-half comebacks? I mean, they came back against uh, Brown. They came back against Syracuse. Uh, they came back against um, – you know, Carolina, they came back against um, – who else? Somebody else uh, just recently also. Uh, Notre Dame, they're down five goals or something. So, yeah, I mean, it's it had unbelievable fourth quarter comebacks. It is. It is unbelievable. Matt Moore, I'll tell you. He, Matt Moore. Yeah, you told me early on you were like, they need to find a feeder. He gets one and six against Carolina. You're absolutely right. I did say that. And, um, you know, he seems to be the glue to that offense and to that team. He, he makes everybody better. Matt Moore does. And, you know, I don't think he's a pure feeder. I think it's kind of the way that they chose to play, um, you know, that offense. But I think he's a true playmaker. I think he's yeah. somebody that can go out and go five and one just as easily as he can go one and five. He's proved it. And to me, he makes Michael Krause better. He, he takes a lot of pressure off of Docs Aitken. He accentuates the positives of Ian Laviano's game. Um, you know, and, and he really makes them a team that's capable of winning the whole thing. If, if Petey LaSalle can win faceoffs and they can get some consistency on, uh, in the goal. Yeah, no doubt. The Phil Lacrosse podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Lacrosse Academy. This 13-week online program is designed to teach cutting-edge lacrosse skills and IQ. Athletes will learn dozens of new techniques, creative drills, X's and O's, and most importantly, how to integrate it all into their game. For more information, go to www.jm3academy.thinkific.com. Let's turn, um, let's turn the conversation to the High Point Richmond game. Um, another barn burner one goal W for Torp and the High Point Panthers and another phenomenal performance out of Asher Nolting scores the game winner. That kid's just a beast. He is unbelievable. He is absolutely one of the very best players in the car. There's no question about it. He does it all. He's so poised. I can't believe he's only a sophomore. Um, you know, and, and what a great win for Torp. Frankly, I thought that Richmond would beat him in this game um, with the way that 
High Point had been playing the last few weeks, beating Mercer only by a goal. You know, Bellarmine only by a goal. And while, you know, the goal is to win and they won, I just thought that those games optically were, were not very impressive. And I just, you know, didn't have confidence that they were going to be able to beat a team as dangerous as Richmond, you know, in a game that seemingly the last, you know, I guess four times Richmond has found a way to win. Um, you know, now they lock up, obviously, the first seed in the SOCON. They get the tournament at home. And I think that that's going to be important as a rematch with Richmond is set up a gun. With that said, I don't want to get ahead of myself and I don't want to, you know, jinx high point in any way. They got to go and they got to play Jacksonville, I believe, right now, um, you know, this week. And they got to take care of business. And Jacksonville is a scary team. Jacksonville knocked off high point earlier in the year. But I do think that, um, you know, High Point is absolutely worthy of an at-large berth. Um, you know, but what I'm reading and, and, and with the way this is playing out, I, I, it, it sounds like they got to win the SOCON to go. And that would be super disappointing. Um, but I think that they're going to win the SOCON. I do. I think that they're a team of destiny here. And I think they're going to take care of Jacksonville. And I think that they're going to probably see uh, – well – I wouldn't be surprised if they say Air Force in the finals. So I, I'm I'm going to go on record, and I know we'll do it at the end, but um, I'm going to call that it's going to be High Point and Air Force in the finals, and I think High Point wins the SOCON and gets gets the AQ along with it. High Point in the uh, RPI as of uh, last Monday. So I haven't seen the updated RPI yet, um, but they were 23 in the RPI with an 11-2 and two record with wins yeah. over Virginia and Duke. So that is just brutal to be able to, you know, have, have an 11 and two season and be 23 in the RPI. I mean, you look at Air Force, they're 19 at, you know, in the RPI with a nine and four record. That's why, that's why it's, it's unfair for these teams that are a little top heavy in terms of, you know, great teams. And then also has a, you know, a conference with some teams that aren't as successful. You know, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a little uh, flawed that way. I think that I heard them say that there's never been a team get an at-large berth with an RPI of lower than 12. So 23, it doesn't look promising for them. I'm sure they'll go up a little bit with Richmond because Richmond, you know, has a good record, um, you know, but, but I still think that it sounds like they're going to have to win the SOCON to go. Um, real quick, um, Towson took care of business against Drexel, but Drexel, Drexel gave them everything they can handle. Brian Volker does a great job. Uh, and um, they are now, you know, in, firmly in the tournament uh, for the CAA. And uh, what are your thoughts on Drexel? Do you think that they can make noise in this tournament or do you think they're just sort of playing to their max right now? Drexel as the fourth seed, the CAA, you mean? Yeah, they're going to play. They're going to play UMass. Yeah. I, I think that they're going to, I think they're going to have their hands full with UMass. Um, you know, they went up and they were beating UMass late in the regular season game. Yeah. Uh, only to have UMass come back and beat them 10-9. Randomly, I ran into that Trexel team at the rest area off of 95 and extra 13. Really? Yes. And I went in to go to the bathroom and I, I'm drying my hands. And, um, you know, I saw, <laughs> I saw Boyle in the locker room, I'm like in the bathroom. I'm like, what is that? guy looks like Boyle. And then I saw these guys uh walk around with Drexel jackets and sure enough there was Volk so I saw him on the way up to that game and you know they're capable of beating UMass um but they're gonna get UMass again at home and UMass is feeling really confidently and I think Sean Scannone is going to be the difference maker in that game you know I'd love to see uh you know Drexel go beat him but at the same time I just 
I just don't think they, I don't think they have enough to beat UMass up at UMass with the way that Sean Scannon is playing, the way UMass is playing. I think that they're playing at a really high level. And, um, you know, I think that UMass is going to come out of that game. Got to give a little shout out to Reed Bowering. He's a, he's a stud. You know what's crazy? So he's like, uh, I don't know, I got to look at their stats. Um, I'll, look, I'll do that real quick right now. But he's a lefty out of Coquitlam. 43. He's got 43 and 43 seven. 43 goals and seven. But here's what's, here's what's crazy, okay? He's a defender in box. Wow. <laughs> he's defensive player of the year in box. He's, wow. he's like, he, he was like. Uh, That's unbelievable. Uh, it is unbelievable. He's on, he's just such a great competitor and such a great guy. He's been captain of the Adonacs for like, since he was like 19, which doesn't usually happen. Right. Won two Minto Cups and he's been a defender. Uh, he's played in four Minto Cups. What a beast. He's got one more year. Yeah, he's a beast. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it he's is. 43 goals for a defender. Oh my God. He's <laughs> a defender. Yeah. Uh, so let's, um, let's turn the attention now to the Ivy League with the Oxia Time Ivy League review yeah um is the website if you guys are interested in, in checking out a really really cool watch um i just got mine resized at and there it is nice um, i need to get my uh my my, my band and also john's going to send me a new leather strap too because i want to get a little bit of a sportier look to it so i can wear it a little bit more often i i, I don't get dressed up that much and people are say to you something like hey what time is it sport yeah, exactly. I, I like being when people, you know, say, call me sport. Our um, stretch. I like stretch. <laughs> hey, stretch. But uh, John Canaris, uh, and we're really grateful to him, sponsors our podcast from his OxyTime company. Um, and he is a uh, former goalie at Penn, took him to the Final Four in the 80s. And two of his biggest passions in life are Penn Lacrosse and, um, and timepieces. Um, me, I'm pretty much just, I'm, 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 I'm just lacrosse, Andy. Um, I don't really have any too. Um, maybe Patriots football, but other than that, it's just lacrosse. Yeah. And um, so John um, sponsors us. He's got these incredible watches. They're Swiss watches. They're like $5,000 watches that you can get for under a thousand bucks. And what's really cool is that he has deals with the Ivy League schools and he's able to place an Ivy League logo of your school. So I got, you know, I went to Brown and I've got the, I got the shield um you picked i believe the b with the ivy around it right I did. that's what i did and um and they're really just really sweet watches and it's coming up to uh time for graduation maybe an unbelievable graduation present they're just beautiful watches uh, bottom adult, line is adult credibility gives you adult credibility <laughs> exactly love that um and there's all kinds of different styles check it out oxiatime.com and uh with that we it's been a lot of fun because now we do our little ivy league player of the week our oxytime ivy league review of the games and we also do our ivy league oxytime ivy league flashback so i got a pretty cool flashback story right now so 1988 um it's uh we we really uh, we had a good team in 88 and we ended up losing three overtime games to three out of the four teams in the final four actually could have been two overtime and one by one goal but we lost by one goal to three out of the four final four teams including penn cornell uh virginia and then we, we, we got hammered by Syracuse that year who won it. So this was before the Cornell game and Don decided, hey, you know what? We, we need to win this game. We're gonna take the guys up early and we're gonna go up on a Thursday so we can have all day Friday to kind of get adjusted. It's a long bus trip, practice up there. So he took us to Syracuse. We stayed in Syracuse on Thursday night. <laughs> so 
we decided to you know meet a few friends and we went over to 44s ah, yes and um I'll never forget this. I, I really didn't know the Syracuse guys all that well, but I kind of met him in the summer tournament circuit and stuff like that. And, and John Zalberti's there. Right. And Z, Z comes up to me and we're just hanging out. And he's like, points, points to his hands, his left hand. He goes, I'm getting two of them right here. The gates are unbelievable. Like, you have no <laughs> idea how good. I guarantee you I will win two rings. They are so good. It's ridiculous. And then he went on to say, he's like, but you know, they shoot so much. Like I got to stand in front of the net and try to like pick off their shots sometimes so I can like score because like I'm wide open right there. <laughs> so I stand in front and try and, and Z's like, he's actually got the hands and the skills to be able to actually do that. Right. Daddy Palin was there and he was like, yeah, I know everybody hates me, but you know, da, 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 da. And that was great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Matty Palin is just the, he is so awesome. You know, that's, I'll tell you. Matty Palem is a guy that never got proper recognition as for as good a player as he was. You know, I think, I think the highest accolade he got was second team all American and, and, and he was just an unbelievably good goalie. And now he's become, as we know, widely considered the best ref in the sport and just you know, an even better guy. I mean, who doesn't like, if you don't get along with Matty Palin, you're the dick. <laughs> well, and he's also perfect. He doesn't really give a shit if people hate him because now he's an official and everybody probably does uh, on half the, you know, half the, half the people hate him every game. Yeah. That's just the way it goes. If you're an official. Um, but yeah, he's got to have, if he doesn't have people calling in and whining, um, you know, then he can't really adequately be considered a blowhard. Yeah, it's true. And you know, to be considered a blowhard is, it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's kind of awesome actually to just have people like just randomly reach out and call you that. Right. Right. It's good stuff. So anyways, we went on to lose that game to Cornell 13, 12 in overtime. Um, Tommy had five though, didn't he? What's that? Tommy had five in that game. Tommy, I think Tommy had five goals. Um, we, um, Timmy Goldstein, you know, was on that attack. They went to the championship game that year. Yeah. Smoley was in the net. I mean, we yeah. scored enough goals to win, but we just didn't quite get it done. Yeah. Um, I had my famous behind the back fake in that game. Ah, uh, yes. Did it worked? It worked. Who was covering you? Yeah. So it was Pat Lady. It was, New it was uh, Pat Leahy from New Canaan. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it was funny because, like, so I basically like was posting up. I didn't really know what to do. I got there. I faked. I did the little wrist roll behind the back fake, big grunt. And I stopped. And then I did the drunk step. The drunk step is the stagger step that makes people think that you actually did pass the ball and you don't have it anymore. It's just right. kind of a humble step. That's the I remember way. Jay McMahon being like, all right, Jamie, it's not working. But if you hold on long enough, actually, it will work. <laughs> and uh, he turns around, but it was to no avail. Uh, Cornell, was, Cornell was really good. I mean, they had gone to the championship game in 87 and lost a heartbreaker. They probably should have won the championship that year. And then they made yeah. it all the way back to championship game in the Dome in 88. But again, they were up against the gates. It just wasn't going to happen. No. That's right. So let's get into the um, let's get into the Ivy League games. So um, Yale twenty two, Harvard eleven. They didn't quite up put a half Mesa on them. <laughs> they probably could have. But uh, did you watch that game? Uh, no, but I I read the write up and followed the game. I mean, what happened to Harvard's defense? I mean, what happened to Harvard's faceoff guys? Like between James Sullivan and. Um, you know, uh, 
he went up there and the kid behind him that was also really good, Steven Cucurillo, like they've, they've gotten some guys that have been like, you know, considered the number one face-off guys in the country coming out of high school. And TD Ireland is the best collegiate face-off guy in the history of the sport. Hands down, he is, you know, but for him to go 26 for 26, Jamie, in this game and go one and one, I mean, oh my God, what a level of domination this is. I saw Jackson Morrow goes eight and two. Matt Gaudette, who I'm a huge fan of his game, uh, just three and oh, you know, Yale puts up 22. You kind of expect Matt Gaudette to have seven, but instead Jackson Morrow was the guy that went off for them. Um, and they got everybody into the game. So this it's sick though, 26 and 26. I mean, it's like, it's like a pitching a no hitter. I mean, being that perfect is insane because a 25 out of 26 day is just like an, a, a career day for almost anyone on the planet. Just to be able to, to be able to win every single face off. And cause you, you know, generally there's going to be, the other team's going to disrupt you somehow. You're going to do something. Or you're going to be late or you're going to space out or you're going to have, you know, a hiccup or, you know, the fact that or one guy drops the ball or something. I mean, yeah, it is, it is. You're just going to miss the scoop yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just incredible. 20 yeah. ground balls. <laughs> 10 takes care of business over Vermont. Yeah. Sam Hanley, freshman. Yeah. Team with 30 I, I think he out of the midfield at four and one again. I mean, sounds shoot. like the Brown guys might've snuck into Delta and been playing beer pong on Friday night. <laughs> they were up three, one, and then they were down five, three to Dartmouth. And, um, you know, then they thankfully took care of business. Like you said, and played well enough to win the game. And, you know, now they're, now they're in the Ivy league tournament. In the Ivy league tournament. And, um, so when was the last time Dartmouth won an Ivy league game? I think it, I, I read the article actually. It said it was, I think, the first Ivy League game of the current regime, uh, which would have been in 2015. I think they beat Harvard and they've lost, I think, 29 straight. I think that's what the article said, um, which, is, which is tough. I'll tell that's you. No fun. No fun. That's no fun. But I, I got to say that it's the way the curriculum is structured up there makes it really tough on the spring sport teams. Um, oh, you know, they're not set up to win. No, they're not. They're not set up to win. Um, and, and, you know, what's the fact that they work on quarter systems up there instead of semesters is really, in my opinion, the toughest part of the whole thing. It's, it's, it's more of a detriment than a lack of a consistent indoor facility. It's more of a detriment than the cold. The reality is you can recruit great players to Dartmouth. You no can't. Doubt. I recruited great players to Dartmouth, but the problem is trying to put a great product on the field in the springtime when number one, your junior class is off in the fall of your junior year. Explain right? that because most people don't realize that that is insane. It's and insane. So, summer, summer, summer trimester after sophomore year is like, you know, the coolest thing ever, except. That's great. That's great. But the problem is this is your junior class, which oftentimes makes up a big chunk of the nucleus of your team aren't there for fall ball. And to compound that issue, the freshmen don't know them until they come back for the run test in January, right? And then you've got the start of the winter term in January and it ends the first week of March. 
right? So given where you're at in the schedule, you've played three or four games at that point, right? Only to have these guys go into exams and they basically become zombies through, you know, preparing to take their exams. And when they're all done with the exam, so, so your practices during that time have to be voluntary. In addition to voluntary practices, you've got guys that are staying all up nights, trying to prepare to do well on their exams, which obviously is the priority and it makes sense, but that doesn't help the acquired chemistry on the defensive and offensive ends on the clears and rides. You know, by the time exams are over, you're essentially starting over again. That's what you're doing. And you get these guys at the end of exam period coming out They're, you know, they haven't had a lot of physical activity during that week. They sort of, they've prioritized where their minds have been over the last week. And when I was there, you know, we went down and we played North Carolina and Duke, right? And so you go down and you play tough teams on spring break. There's a good chance you're coming back from spring break, you know, depending upon how you did the first three weeks of the season, you know, one and four, oh and five, two and three. And you go right into Harvard, Yale, Cornell, and you're back in the blender again. It's, it's not conducive to success for men's lacrosse up there. It's not. Yeah. No, so, it's not. And I, I, I think, you know, the trimester piece is beat. We had that at Denver too. Um, but the, the fact that, and so, so people, the, the exciting thing about Dartmouth is you get to spend a summer up in Hanover. The bad thing is, is that you have to take one trimester off during the year. And for, if you're a spring sport athlete, it's well, and, and, and listen, there are things that make it unique, a unique cell in the Ivy League group, yep. right? It's geographically, it's unique. The fact that they've, you know, never won an outright Ivy League championship is unique in that it allows, you know, prospects the opportunity to, you know, have a chance to put a program on the map that way. The way the curriculum is set up is unique. Like you said, the summer term, the fact that you can take the fall term, all those things are unique and make you stick out in the recruiting process. But the way the curriculum is set up screws the Ivy League men's lacrosse coaches up there, gives you a real appreciation for the job that Ricky Soul did when he went five and one yeah. and was, you know, and, and, and tied for the Ivy League championship with Cornell and Princeton that year and won the flip. And then they, you know, went up to the dome and, um, you know, almost beat Mikey Powell and those guys, I think. Yeah. All right. So, um, let's talk about Cor Cornell Princeton, pretty big game, actually, you know, Cornell really needed to win this game to keep their, um, at large hopes available. Yeah. Um, they are in the mix for it. If they lose this game, they're going to be out of the mix for that. So that was huge. The Ivy league is going to be really, it's going to be a really tough championship to win. Um, but, um, huge, you know, you know, huge goal to with, with just seconds on the clock to, to take a, to break a 13, 13 tie with a feed from T to Pedersen. And those two have done it, you know, together uh, in boxing and field for, for a lot of years. Uh, but a ballsy win for Cornell, tough loss for uh, Sowers who went seven and one um, and a great game for Pedersen who went four and three. Yeah. I watched this game. I watched the whole thing back and forth and it just seemed like Sowers refused to let his team lose. He was unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and like every other team that Princeton has played this year, you know, Cornell didn't have a defenseman that was able to stop Sowers. I think he cements himself as a first team All-American in a, in an attack heavy year with 90 points and breaking Kevin Lowe's record. 
but he just didn't have enough to, to, to put him over the top in this game. I mean, how about the set play that those guys drew up, which required, you know, essentially a 30-yard cross-body feed you know, to another guy cut. I mean, it, the, the fact that that's, <laughs> that's the play that they drew up and it worked seamlessly for a dunk speaks to the skill set that those two guys have that were in the play and certainly the confidence that the coaching staff has in those guys. I got to say, though, to that point, I thought that the Princeton defenseman had done a really, really good job um, beating up Jeff Teat that, that game. Yeah. You know, he, uh, he even missed an uncharacteristically – a high quality shot at the end of the game before that, you know, as a lead into that play, which is something he'd never, it also seemed like Cornell had two or three chances to go in there and dunk it. And they didn't take it, you know, as that game was winding down and I kept thinking to myself like, Oh my God, that was their chance. And they pulled it out. Why, why are they pulling it out? Um, you know, but so they don't win face offs. And they're just- yeah, but they did that game, you know, yeah. Zimowitz, I think went 22 for 27 in that game. Yeah. You and I spoke last week on the podcast. We both referenced that Cornell was probably going to win the game. Number one, I thought because it was up in Ithaca. And number two, I thought because Paul Rosimowicz was going to be able to win faceoffs. And if they didn't win faceoffs, I didn't think they were going to be able to stop Princeton's offense. And they couldn't stop Princeton's offense. But fortunately, they were able to win faceoffs. And in the end, you win 22 out of 27. You win by one with four seconds left. You know, Paul Rosimowicz, to me, is, is the player of the game in this game. You know, it's, it's really uh, interesting you bring up the last play because that was a typical box lacrosse backside up pick. That's what happens on the backside of box lacrosse offenses is they up pick for the backdoor cut. Sometimes they cut over the top. Yeah. A lot of times they cut right down the back door. And that's literally something that you do at the end of a shot clock or you do in box lacrosse virtually every time out. And I was literally thinking going into this year, I was like, man, with a shot clock, you've got to get some backside up picks because I, I think you can get dunks like that. You, that's how you get dunks in box. You well, get they got them. it. They got it. And well, what a, what an awesome play. I mean, I, I wasn't aware that that's, you know, a common look in box lacrosse, but it makes sense when you think about the need to get to the front of the net, um, you know, and, and certainly they, they executed it really well. I'm sure he probably said to Pedersen, um, you know, Peterson, go, go whatever way you have to go. And he obviously read the way that his defender played that and, and got open enough where T, it's, I think T looked it off too and whipped it in yeah, there. Yeah, he did, man. And it's like, he kind of ran up like he wasn't doing anything and all of a sudden he's <laughs> in there. I know. It's, it's, it's really fun to watch those guys play when they're playing well. I just, I'm concerned, and I spoke to Timmy about this, I'm concerned about Cornell not having a guy that, you know, is a big time dodging threat. I just, that, that worries me. When I watched Cornell play Yale the first time around, I know they're playing in the 8:30 game this Friday night in the Ivy League tournament. You know, it's, it's concerning that they don't have somebody that can really break a high quality defender down for goals if that team doesn't slide. And, you know, so they're, they're going to have to compete at the X. They got beaten up there last game, and, and all indications are they're going to get beaten up again by Yale this weekend there. But Cornell has to finish better. You know, last time when they played, Cornell had a chance to be up, you know, 4-2, 5-2, something like that. And they were actually down, I think, 3-2. And so they can't waste opportunities when they're going to lose faceoffs the way that I think that they're going to lose faceoffs 
this Friday night. And if they, if they can compete at the X, if they can get, you know, 40%, I can see Cornell beating Yale for sure. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to speak to the point you made about you worrying about them not breaking people down. And I think it's interesting because if you look at their scores, they scored 19, 14, 17, 13, 18, 11, 18, 15, 15, 19, eight against Syracuse, the only single digits, 11, 12, 14. Um, it, it is interesting because I don't disagree that you want to be able to have that guy, but it's interesting that they've been able to have a prolific scoring offense without your traditional, can I just blow by my guy? Because what they're doing is they're playing great team lacrosse and they're getting sure. looks like they got you know, um, with this, with this team. I think they have an X guy that can actually create. Yeah. I, I think oh, if they, yeah. didn't, they didn't have Piatelli. I think that I would agree with you, but I think their, their middies are good enough to beat a short and they're great at beating their guys off the ball. And they've got an X attackman that can actually run his man around and, and create offense. And I think that's what gets done. For I wonder how, I wonder how Yale plays. I wonder if Yale puts fake on Piatelli. To me, that would be a more appropriate matchup than playing him on key, but who knows? Yeah, no doubt. Let's do our uh, OxyTime Ivy League player of the week yeah i'm going i was going to go with sours or petterson depending on who won the game sours had seven and one petterson had four and three i'm going with petterson on the game winner with seconds left um although both efforts were incredible but that's going to be my uh uh oxy time ivy league player of the week yeah i, I should probably go with paul rosimowitz considering you know his success at the x versus princeton in a one goal game however uh i gotta go with yale's td erlin just for the fact that he went 100% and not 100% winning six out of six. He won 26 out of 26 with one goal and one assist against, you know, guys that are considered really, really high end faceoff guys, even though they haven't had that much success as college players. Um, you know, what TD Erland, he's got, he can be the reason why Yale wins the national championship this year. And last year they won, they had great D mids. Obviously they had Ben Reeves, who was the best player in the country. And, you know, Mackey was one of the best face-off guys in the country last year. But I think he was, you know, kind of that 62, 63%. Yeah. Um, this uh, year, with TD Erland right there at about 80%. It, it, the fact is, is that this is a team that can just win face-offs and score and win the game that way. And, uh, and they're going to have to do that if they're going to beat the best teams in the country, which, you know, I consider to be Penn State and Duke. UPenn is another team that I think can win the national championship, given their, you know, quality of their draw guy. Um, you know, let's hope for Ivy League success that Penn and Yale aren't in the same side of the bracket. Yeah. Because the, the sick part is, is they, they could end up playing each other. Like, if they're on two, end, two sides of the bracket – I, I could easily see Penn and Yale get into the final four simply due to, you know, dominant face-off guys and really, really strong offense. I think – I like Penn's offense better than Yale's offense. But I like TD Ireland better than any of, anybody else in the country. So if you want more interest, more in, uh, information on Oxia timepieces, go to oxytime.com. Use the coupon code BRUNO100 to get $100 off. Uh, the, you can get your logo of your Ivy League school um, on the watch. Uh, it's, it's really cool. It's a subtle logo, beautiful watch. Um, it's a great present for graduation, and um, it's just it's cool, and it, it, it helps us with our flashbacks, so we like it. Um, let's talk about next week. Um, let's do our picks here, Andy. Um, great. 
And you can also try to do your picks. Well, once we get through the various conferences, you can give us your, your, your overall pick of who's going to win that thing, okay? So, uh, so Army Holy Cross. I got Army. BU Bucknell. I got Bucknell in an upset. QPAC, Detroit Mercy. Uh, I got Detroit Mercy. Vermont, Albany. I got Vermont. Penn State, Rutgers. Penn State. UMass, Drexel. UMass. High Point, Jacksonville. High Point. Mount St. Mary's, Robert Morris. Robert Morris. Georgetown, Providence. Georgetown. Towson, Delaware. Towson. Marist Canisius. Marist. Stony Brook, UMBC. Stony Brook. Hopkins, Maryland. I got Maryland this time. Air Force, Richmond. I think uh, Air Force finds a way to beat them. Hobart, Sacred Heart. Ah, wow. Hobart's not playing that well. I'm going to pick Sacred Heart. Denver, Villanova. Villanova beat them last time out there. That's not going to happen again, even though I, I want that to happen. Uh, I, I got Denver in that game. Penn Brown. I wish Brown would beat them. I just think Penn has too much offense, and I think they're too scary at the X. I think Brown plays well enough. If, Goss, if Phil Goss can get over 20 saves, I, I could say Brown. Um, and, and Penn, it might be in Penn's best interest to actually lose this game. But I just don't think that I, I just don't think Brown's going to win enough faceoffs, and I think Penn's offense is too, too good. dynamic. I, I'm going to take Penn, even though it kills me. Yale Cornell. Again, I think TD Ireland's going to win all the faceoffs. Um, and remember, Cornell beat him last year in this game, and I think that that really helped Yale. Um, but I think Yale just I think Yale is is playing too well right now. I, and I think Ireland's going to dominate. Ireland's going to dominate the X. Um, I got to go on Yale. Virginia, Notre Dame. I think Virginia beats them. All right. So now let's go through the uh, – now who wins all the championships? So who's going to win the Ivy League championship then? I think that Yale's going to win the championship. Who's going to win that? America East. I think Vermont is going to win the Am East. Who's going to win the NEC? Mount St. Mary's, Hobart, Sacred Heart, Robert Morris. Yeah, okay, so I'm sorry. So that was uh, that Sacred Heart versus Robert Morris. I think Sacred Heart wins that. And then the MAC is Maris, Detroit, QPAC, and Canisius. Yeah, I think Detroit Mercy wins that. Patriot. Uh, you know, I think that uh, – so Bucknell will end up playing Loyola, and I think Loyola's going to win. Army's going to end up playing um, BU. No, because I think BU is going to lose to Bucknell. Oh yeah. Um, so Ar Army's going to beat Holy Cross. I think Bucknell beats BU. Bucknell plays Loyola, and I think Loyola's going to win. Um. I think it's going to be Army and Loyola in the final. And I, I, think, I think Loyola is going to win. All right. Um, Big East. Uh, I think that Denver is going to beat Georgetown in the final. 
SoCon. I think that Torp and High Point beat Air Force again and get the AQ. And the CAA. I think that UMass uh, gets it done again on the back of Sean Scannone. And uh, so what happens to Towson if, if Towson loses? Do, do they, is it a two-bid league then if UMass wins it? If Towson loses, they're going to really have only two wins, right? And, and, and really it's – Hopkins and Loyola, right? Well, Hopkins and Loyola, exactly right. I think the Georgetown win is going to evaporate unless Georgetown wins the Big East, right? If That's not going to help them as an at-large either, though. Maybe. Maybe it won't matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think um, their Delaware win is not going to hold up because uh, they don't have any wins. Um, and Georgetown, I don't think, is going to hold up. Uh, Towson may end up being out, um, you know, unless Hopkins goes and Hopkins beats Maryland and that, you know, I, I, you know right now I got, Hop, I got Towson in. But, but I don't know. If, Hop, if, if Towson doesn't win the CAA – they might be out. I think they might be on the outside looking in too. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be such a dogfight to see who wins. I mean, you know, Rutgers has to win to get but in. Rutgers has to win it to get in. It. There's 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 still so much parity. Yeah. In terms of what goes on, you know, what if what if Denver doesn't win? You know, Denver's Denver not getting in without winning it. I don't think. I mean, I, there's there are there. It seems like there's about four or five teams that are in the same boat as Towson and as Denver. Yeah. And, and it's almost like there's a spot lost this year, too, because the America East doesn't have a team that would get in otherwise, right? So the America East last year at Albany, and they were a top-four team. And, right. and so it's like – it's kind of like you don't lose a spot for the at-large, but when those conferences don't have somebody, it's kind of like, if you know, when the favorite doesn't win. So, um, you know, I, do you think that the uh, Patriot is going to be a two-bid league if Loyola um, lost? I mean, if Loyola wins the league, it's a one-bid league. Yes. Lose the league. It's a two-bid. Let's say Army beats Loyola. Does Loyola go? You know, their, their win is over Virginia, first game of the year. They will have split with Army, and their only other win is Georgetown. Their RPI is so high, though. They're like they're they like five, six, they played six. They played six top twenty teams. They played BU, Duke, Towson, Georgetown, Army, UVA, and, and Hopkins. They played as well. Right, so they've really played six top twenty teams, um, you know, and and so Lehigh falling off at the end of the year hurt them. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, you, 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 it would be sick if Loyola and Ohio State and Rutgers and Towson, you know, if, if those teams are not in there. Yeah. Who the hell's in there? Like, these are teams that have been in the top, you know, top 12 all year long. So it's, again, it's going to be interesting. Are, are we going to do this again next week and uh, talk about it? Oh, yeah, no doubt. We'll be, we'll be breaking down the NCAA tournament and making our picks and all that kind of stuff, too. But, you all know, right. yeah, and right now, America East is a one big, one bid league, and they're taking an at-large spot. You know, yeah. that, there's no, there's no at-large spot there denver probably it's a one big big league yep. in the east um at least two the colonial has you know is probably going to be a one bid league also the winner is going to go i don't think they're going to get two bids 
Because uh, I don't think UMass gets it without winning it. And I just don't think Towson scored, even though they're in the mix. Like, then you look at like, like if Cornell finds a way to beat Yale, then I think the Ivy League has, is a three-team league. I think, I think they are. So you, you think if Yale pens in and Yale's in. Gonna be in. Is Yale going to be in if they don't win the Ivy League championship? In. What? Yale has Penn State, UMass, and Cornell. Their only losses are Villanova and Penn. So if they lose to Cornell, they split with Cornell. They have a one-goal loss to Penn, a one-goal loss to Villanova, and they got wins over Penn State, UMass, and Cornell. Yeah. Yale is in, and Penn is in. And Cornell needs to beat Yale, or they're out. But, yeah, they're out. They're probably out. And, and, and Cornell will be like that same Rutgers and Ohio State and North Carolina where they have two good wins, you know, but they don't have that third win. Like Cornell's wins right now are Towson and Notre Dame. Yeah. So, like, they need one more win to, to be – they're out right now. they got to beat Yale to get in. They beat Yale, they're going to be in. Yeah. And those guys do have decent RPIs. The, the MAC is a one, you know, is a one conference deal. The Patriot League is really going to be – Probably one. They're probably, probably one. I mean, like you said, if Army beats Loyola, will Loyola go? I don't know. I mean, their RPI is so high, but I just don't feel like that they've got – I mean, they don't have the resume that Yale has. And we're talking about, you know, so I don't know. But, but, but Loyola with Hopkins, if Hopkins wins, wins right now, Loyola's wins right now are UVA, Army, Georgetown, and Hopkins. I think Loyola's in too. And if Army wins, you know, obviously Army's going to be in. But I, I, think there, I think there could be two coming out of the Patriot League. Yeah. And let's face it, BU could win the whole thing too. You know, Army has to win to go. BU has to win to go. I don't think Loyola has to win to go. Yeah. I think it's I think it's I think it's actually be closer than we think because because I think there's so many teams. I mean, they're not that different than Cornell, honestly. No, you're right. They're not. Um, and so uh, NEC one one team league, the Southern Conference gonna be a one team league. It really kind of looked like, you know, High Point was gonna be able to get in as an at large, but it doesn't seem like they're gonna be able to. They gotta win it. Uh, the Big Ten. What if Richmond wins the SOCOM? If, if Richmond – High point get an at-large if Richmond wins the SOCON. I think that with, based on their wins, they should. But their RPI, that's the problem. Their RPI is, is, is low. And the RPI factors in. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember what the criteria is anymore. That would make me want to vomit if high point does be there. And every – but it, it, it kind of depends on who's on the committee because they, they use different points of emphasis. You know, some, some years your big wins matter more somewhere. Some years your bad losses matter more, you know. And so right. – you know, and then um, the Big Ten, you know, if Penn State wins it or Maryland wins it, are they a two-conference bid or a three-conference bid? Does Hopkins – if Hopkins makes it to the final, do they get an at-large? If Hopkins makes it to the final, I think they're in. They're in, right? Yeah. So then it would be a three-team, three-bid league. Yeah. And we think that all four – we think that the four – that four ACC teams get in. Right, Duke. Yeah, Virginia, yeah. Duke's getting Duke's in. in sure. Virginia's in for sure. Notre Dame is in for sure. You know, Syracuse would be the one that I would say has the most to lose. Right? I mean, Syracuse's wins right now are Army, Duke, Cornell, and Hopkins. Right? They have a bad loss to Colgate, and then they have a they have three good losses, we'd, we'd say, in Virginia, Notre Dame, and Carolina. 
uh, you know, does the Army win hold up if they lose in the first round of Holy Cross? I don't know. I mean, Cuse to me. Wait, who'd you say Cuse has wins over? Hopkins, Duke, Cornell, Carolina. They've beaten Army. Army. They've beaten Hopkins. Yeah. Duke, Cornell, and then they also, you know, those are the major. Well, and Carolina technically counts too. And, and, Rutgers and, and they beat Rutgers as well. And Hobart. You know. Well, it's a big week. It's exciting. And you never know how it's going to break. Um, I mean, it's really weird how things work out sometimes. You can think you are. Um, I remember in 2008, <laughs> we were we had lost in, in the first round of our conference tournament to a really good Ohio State team. And uh, everything that needed to happen for us happened. And we ended up getting an at-large bid as a, as a 12 RPI. And, and um, it was like, that's just happens sometimes. You just never know how it's going to work out. And, um, you know. But that year, like that was the year where we knew you were going because of the math. And that was, that's the year that they, that's what they should be doing all the time. Yeah. You know, they took the subjectivity out of it that year. And it yeah. was like, if this happens, this happens, this happens, you're in. And fortunately it all happened and you guys went and you should have gone. Yeah. You know, I remember my senior year at Brown, we were finished the season. Um, I think we finished the season seventh in the country and we didn't go and we beat Loyola head to head and they went, they didn't have any wins and we beat them head to head. And it was all subjective. It was really frustrating. And then a year when I was coaching at Dartmouth, we had wins over Maryland and Notre Dame, but we had, you know, a bad loss to Albany at the time was not a very, you know, they, they aren't like they are now. And we also lost a sacred heart. And so, um, you know, I, 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 I like it much more predictable. I, I wish it was all math. Yeah. Just take the uh, back. Yeah. Back, uh, back room deals. Maybe out. fishing trip isn't the same in August if they don't have all the guys at it. <laughs> well, Andy, I appreciate all the insights as usual. Awesome job um, educating us um, on uh, your thoughts. And um, looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, when After Selection Sunday, we'll have a lot to talk about. Great. All right. Great job, Jamie. Uh, we'll check back in. See you, bud. The Philocrosophy Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There is no question that video is a critical part to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3video.com today.